I mean, we now see ourselves as an advanced logistics organization trying to figure out how to move fresh food from farms as far away as California and the state of Washington to people that need it, you know, right here in central and eastern Ohio. Welcome to There's a Better Way, a podcast series focused on exploring how operational excellence principles can provide solutions in your personal and professional life. Each episode, Dr. Arvind Chandrasekharan, professor and academic director at The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business, will sit down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss problems we face in our world today. This program is brought to you by the Master of Business Operational Excellence. Welcome to There is a Better Way. I'm here with uh, Matt Habash, president and CEO of the Mid-Ohio Food Bank. Welcome to the program, Matt. Thanks for inviting me. So, Matt, can you tell us more about uh, the Mid-Ohio Food Bank and what it does and what are its mission? Sure. Um, Mid-Ohio Food Bank's been around for about 40 years, and it originally started, you know, with collecting the surplus food in the food industry and distributing that to other charities who help feed people that were in need of, of food. Um, it's evolved over the 40 years to the point now, I think the first year we were in operation, we gave out about 240,000 pounds of food, you know, and we've pushed as high as 70 million pounds of food in a year. Um, but we're continuing to evolve the organization. Our mission is to end hunger, one nourishing meal at a time, so that's feeding you today, while also co-creating community, sustainable communities where everyone thrives. So it's putting us on an ending hunger journey for a, journey for a lifetime with the over 500,000 people we touch in a year. That is fascinating, Matt. Again, I've been there uh, at the Grove City, and I, I cannot simply um, comprehend the complexity of the the processes that you have, right? So it's it's a very complicated process, and you're actually managing, and you said, like ending the hunger in this community. So can you tell us more about what are some challenges that you see? I mean, you've been seeing this organization for a while. So what are some challenges that you face as you're accomplishing this mission? Well, I've been around for 35 years, so I've seen a lot of change, and, and the organization continues to evolve, but the primary function of collecting surplus food um, is still at, at the root of what we do um, at one level, uh, but we're evolving that into a food as health strategy because you got to rem- remember how much the food industry is changing, you know, as um, we all had keychain tags and, you know, on our keys and as efficient consumer response and just-in-time inventory and all those kind of things happen at the food industry level. The food that we were acquiring in a donated manner um, and from the federal government has continued to evolve and change. Now over 60% of the food we give out is fresh food. Totally changed our business model and you're right. I mean, we now see ourselves as an advanced logistics organization trying to figure out how to move fresh food from farms as far away as California and the state of Washington to people that need it, you know, right here in central and eastern Ohio. Yeah, and I I want to talk about the logistics aspect in a bit, but but I want to go back to what you just said about the the changing mission of the food bank, which again is is almost real time with respect to what we're all facing, is this whole idea of preventive health. So what you just told me, Matt, is that uh, the mission of the food bank is changing in a way that you want uh, the food eligible uh, recipients to actually get fresh food so that they're actually having better health outcomes, which actually saves healthcare costs, right? So is that what you're, you're, you're actually moving towards as MOF is to get into the social aspect of health and food? 
Exactly. I'm trying to get healthcare to realize that food matters um, and, and nutritious food matters even more in our health outcomes. I mean, it's, there's a big disconnect there. It's almost taken for granted. So we look at ourselves now instead of as a basic needs charity, which is what you know we've historically been viewed as we're providing food to people that don't have it to, you know, we're a low cost, high value healthcare strategy. And we've been running a Produce RX program um, that we're going to rename Mid-Ohio RX. Um, but the idea of having doctors write produce prescriptions, fresh food prescriptions, and people filling those. And when we track that, we're tracking about 12,000 patients now with primary one health. And the, the, the co small cohort of those 12,000 that are coming twice a month, we're seeing really strong health outcomes, 10 pounds of weight loss, A1Cs for diabetes dropping and getting better. So we honestly believe if we can connect more of this surplus food to people on a more frequent basis, we can have an impact on their health. And these are people that don't have the choice that you and I and other people do about what we choose to eat. These people cannot afford to buy the fresh, healthy food at the grocery store. This is amazing. So what you just told me, Matt, is that you're sitting in between primary one and those food eligible patients and you're solving uh, health problems. Exactly. And I'm hopeful that, you know, we've you know, had begun some conversations. We want to talk to Medicaid, which is funding a lot of, you know, the folks that we would help and see if we can actually reduce costs. I know from some of the study, the Geisinger report out of, out of Pennsylvania that I think you're familiar with that, you know, that you're talking about $8,000 in cost savings per year for a 1% drop in A1Cs that, you know, for diabetes. If we can actually have that kind of impact, you know, we could save the healthcare a lot of money. If they'll share a small portion of that money with us, we can do this on a more regular basis with people. We actually want you coming back. In fact, we just recently, as um, we talk about continuing to change um, our, our strategic thinking and work, changed from client to customer. Hmm. You know, it's, a, it's a mental model shift for us because you know, when you think about customers, you want to really offer really good service to people. You want them coming back as a repeat customer. And that's what we're seeing is if we can get you to come back um, more often, then we're going to be successful. One of the most amazing stats in our, our data tracking of all of our customers is that 36% of the folks only come once a year. Hmm. 70% come five times or less. We have this myth that people that get free food come all the time. It's actually not true. Um, and that is true for a lot of other food banks. And it's true all across the country, whether you're talking a real big urban center like Columbus or you're talking Appalachian counties in Southeast Ohio, those, those data points are the same. Hmm. So we actually want you coming back more often. You'll take less food. None of us buy our produce and all of our perishable foods once a month or your milk wouldn't taste very good. Um, you know, so we want you coming back on a more frequent basis. And then what else can we do in a far more holistic way to really look at the other challenges you have in life and to see what opportunities you want to pursue? Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is very interesting because again, you said like there is a, there is a, a mindset of people saying that they don't want to come. So what, 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 do you, what is food bank doing to actually increase that or take that mindset away? Because um, it's, it's clearly a, a way of improving their health, but they have this problem of not coming more often. So what, do you, what is MOF doing to actually entertain them to come and visit these food pantries often? Well, I have an amazing marketing team here. And, you know, one of the beauties of what they do is, you know, they come up with creative ways. So we want to destigmatize this. We're talking about one of our strategic objectives, you know, is to 
shift the narrative, you know, by destigmatizing poverty and people using pantries. So we'll drop the word food pantry from our lexicon is what we're going to suggest. You know, for the we, we want to create um, a series of hubs, which are locations, you know, primarily starting in the eight poverty neighborhoods in Columbus, um, where we can have a, a basically a grocery store, a free grocery store open 40 to 60 hours a week. You can come when it's, it's a, okay for you to come. I mean, one of the big learnings for us from our, one of our customers was when she said, I can't afford to shop at a food pantry. And it was kind of one of these aha moments. You go, what's that mean? And she said, I can't afford to take a day off of work. You know, it's going to cost me 80 bucks to take a day off of work to go get free food. So it's not free anymore. Yeah. So in that world, we want, we're going to rebrand some of these as mid Ohio markets. We've tested, you know, just different language and, you know, and, an opportunity for and encourage people to come, come with, take what they can use, come before they go to the grocery store um, instead at the end of the month, you know, where they just come at, you know, once and say, no, come before you go. We, we give you a free gallon of milk because we got a lot of milk right now in America. You know, we saved you a couple bucks. You can buy something else at the store that you yeah. need. Yeah. And so, so thinking about what you just told me, Matt, you're changing from what used to be a logistics company to like now you're actually dealing with big data, you're looking at analytics, you're trying to understand how that is, you're having a marketing uh, function actually promoting, uh, removing the stima behind like uh, the food pantry. So you're transforming your organization, you're no longer into the logistical business, you're actually into the business intelligence way of uh, ending uh, world hunger. Ab absolutely, I mean, it, we, if it wasn't for the data, we couldn't do any of this. The fact that we developed our own data tracking system, the fact that we can now track 500,000 people, how frequently they come, where they go, how far away they go. I'll give an example. We have a, you know, a, a pantry operation right here at, at, you know, at the warehouse in Grove City. Only 7% of the people who access you know, our help here come from the zip code, you know, 43123, which is the zip code of Grove City. Everybody's coming from somewhere else. We want people staying in their own communities. We want them to know this food is available when it's convenient for them. Most of the people we're helping are working. You know, they're playing by all the rules. They may be working two jobs, and mm. we've got to help them access food. We take it for granted, you know, when our kids get sick. We may fight with a spouse over whose job's more important that day, who's staying home. They lose money every time that happens, you know, and so they're making an economic choice, and we got to come up with better strategies, you know, and we think these hub models will give us that, but that forces us to use all of our intelligence and saying, how can we become a daily supplier of, you know, the food at that, you know, at that hub site instead of a pantry picking up food once a week. It's a total change in our business model in mm -hmm. terms of how we're regularly going to supply food. And to carry your point even further, we're working on, and we, you know, we're testing right now an online ordering platform. So we're trying to progress the way the food industry is progressing, where you can do online ordering at a grocery store now. We're going to have that available for clients to use. We're testing it downstairs right now. Um, and we're excited about that opportunity. And then if we can actually partner with some of the organizations to be a delivery service, we could actually offer delivery to people's homes who can't get out for transportation. So there's a whole new way of looking at this, and it's all coming out of a customer-centered approach. That is amazing. So, so you mentioned a few things I want to ask you on those. There's like one thing is you're, you're testing this whole idea of the – the, the online delivery 
or online portal where customers can actually choose their uh, produce. So, and then you're innovating. The way I think about all these things is you're continuously innovating, trying, experimenting, right? And how do you do that? I mean, like, how do you do that in in the in the organization of the, um, as a food bank? Because again, you don't have the resources like an Amazon to actually go and do some experiments. And again, it's okay to fail. You have to like do these things in a more structured way. Tell us, walk us through, how do you do that? Well, I, I, for us, it began a, a number of years ago, probably clear back 2006, 2007, when you know the leadership, we all got introduced to what we at that time called the art of hosting or collaborative leadership, as it's now call, called, and began to introduce the ability to hold ambiguity, to learn um, social constructs that are used out of the business school up at Case, appreciative inquiry, you know, which is a, a really rapid process for really understanding what works, um, how to do it from a strength-based approach, how to rapid prototype and try things, um, and create a culture where if not knowing was okay. You know, mm -hmm. that we've got to, that's hard, you know, where people that are used to doing things in a certain way, and it's been difficult. I mean, we've tried to build an organizational culture that welcomes people trying new things. Every time new folks join our organization, it's like bring the best of what you were doing from somewhere else and help us improve. So we've been open to that. Uh, sometimes that's easy, sometimes that's not so easy. But we want to encourage more creative thinking and then working with all of it. We have these amazing partners that have done great work with us, you know, day in and day out, you know, and just getting them to say, could we even take a more customer centric approach and what might that look like? So it's always about the art of the possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what drives us. Okay. So in terms of, again, collaborating, so this is important, right? So you're collaborating. Tell us more about, Matt, like how do you collaborate? Who are your strategic partners in this, um, has, I would call this a food bank supply chain. Who are your strategic partners and how do you entertain this collaboration and how do you actually innovate on that? Well, historically, our strategic partners have always, the number one partner has always been the food industry because if it wasn't their willingness to step up, um, and, and donate the surplus food that they had that they didn't want to throw away for whatever reason. And food waste has become a much more topical issue right now than I think historically. But the federal government stepped up because they were doing the same thing. They were buying commodities and storing them literally in caves because that's where the warehousing was in Kansas City. Um, but And we started to partner with the federal government about how can we get more food to places. Um, and so they became a huge supporter of us because of the tremendous amount of support that they were trying to give to farmers and the result of that was surplus food. It's now evolving to a lot of, you know, universities are a big part of what we're thinking about. You know, as we think about ending hunger and ending, you know, really having conversations about equity and racism and wages, I mean, four and a half, almost five years ago, we went to $15 an hour. So we started to push, you know, the industry towards, you got to raise the wages at the bottom. You know, that's the reason if you, Matthew Desmond's work in evicted is correct. You know, we had a 71% increase in productivity over the last 40 years, but only a 12% increase in wages. Mm. Hence, we got a third of Franklin County living below 200% of poverty. So there's a lot of work in that. So you, Columbus State's been a big partner. Ohio State's always been a partner with us in terms of whether it's research or, you know, the health research we were doing, you know, logistics, marketing, et cetera. Um, and then we look to the rest of the community. You've got to get out of our silos. We all operate in silos, and we're even the human service world. And then inside of that, if it's the education silo, how many silos are inside that silo? If you think about early childhood to post high school, mm -hmm. 
you know, housing, what's that look like? You know, what's, you know, what does income mobility really look like? How do we put people on pathways, you know, to prosperity, you know, as opposed to just saying you're on your own and, you know, rugged individualism takes over and I did it. So you should have to pull yourself up. That's not going to work. And we've got to evolve into a much more connected group. Hmm. That's interesting, Matt. And and you're familiar with like um, as, as 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 you mentioned, one of your partners is Ohio State. And in this case, um, we were very fortunate to actually talk to you and your colleagues out there uh, through our MBOE program. And what we ended up using is again uh, trying to understand the systemic view of the problem. And in that journey that that we are actually uh, accompanying with you, what we are finding is that the energy levels and the enthusiasm that the uh, your colleagues have at the food bank to actually uh, end world hunger and work in pieces is amazing. I mean, like you mentioned about um, the collaborative mindset and what, what I'm able to like firsthand witness this is saying, okay, everybody there comes to work to actually help and, and they're driven by that mission that you talk about, which is fascinating from as an outside observer looking at that. Well, I, I think it is. And I, you know, what I'm encouraging about is we've really pushed the team here, our board, you know, our stakeholders to really say, look, because you know, we're getting asked the question, how do we end it? You know, as opposed to does the food bank just get bigger and bigger and bigger? So as I mentioned before, you know, our old model of success was how many pounds of food did we move? How many meals? How many people did we serve? And we're now saying we want to figure out how to measure the health impact of what we're doing. We want to target the root causes of poverty and equity you know, through language that we introduce called transformational platforms. You know, that's kind of a language that's come out of social change work and, you know, data analytics work, the platform language. And people are like, what's that mean? And I'm like, it means new ways of thinking, new ways of doing business. You know, and it really for us is we can't continue to do the same old, same old and expect, you know, different results. And all of that for us is based on data analytics. What are we understanding about our folks? How do we get to be better in relationship with each other? Um, how do we work on a community-wide level to destigmatize you know, what poverty means and to really begin to reconnect? Unfortunately, you know, they claim Columbus is the second most segregated city in the country next to Austin, Texas, because of the way we're structured in our suburbs and community. We've got to reconnect our community. So all of that fits into this, and I'm couldn't be happier that I got a team that's willing to go on a journey. I got a board that's pushing us to, and these are pretty conservative board members sometimes, and they're pushing us to say, how can we transform? How do we build a community where we're not having these dividing lines that everybody has a chance to prosper? Yeah. And, and, and then I want to go back now to the logistics part of what you just said, Matt, about like, again, you have an enormous problem of getting some of these produce, again, fresh things right to the, the customers, not the client, like you mentioned the word of customers now. So which is important, like, and, and one way that you're doing it is actually like creating these, what, what they call as like um, uh, facilities where customers can actually go on a frequent basis, right? So it's changing the way you think about logistics now, rather than having it to a centralized location, which is the traditional way of thinking about it. Now you're actually decentralizing it and making it more accessible to these pay people or these customers. So that, that has changed your model. It's changed it a lot. I think if you think about our work over the years, I mean, it used to be we brought in a, dry, a lot of dry packaged goods and then we put them in and we hope we eventually build an online platform for our partners to order that food. And, and they took whatever they could use and they, and they, so it was a push model in a lot of ways. We were pushing food that was donated to us and our partners and they put it out and hope people took it. And it was when they were open. Well, here comes all this fresh food. 
And that model's not going to work because if it sits in a church pantry basement until you know somebody shows up, we're going to have a lot of problems. We're going to have a lot of food that goes bad. So we evolved at that time to starting to create fresh produce markets. So we had about 1,400 of those um, that were now operating where the food is coming from the farm in and out of this building. We did a big lean exercise with Toyota on how to move this product faster finding out what people want in certain neighborhoods and communities across our 20 county footprint. So the food's not in our building 24 to 48 hours. And at the same time, we were picking up a lot of food from retail stores. Their surplus, excess, usually perishable food, that's going directly to different sites. Now if you evolve that into these hubs that are open 40 to 60 hours a week, we'll be able to put all kinds of food in there. If, if we're really, really good and we can perfect this, we could redirect a truck that we picked up food to various sites and by the time it got back to Grove City, it was empty. It, instead of bringing it back here and then trying to put it on the system and put it back out and we lose two to three days in that process. So that's the intent is to put the fresh food directly where people can use it, give them more access to it on a regular basis and hopefully see this as a huge resource. One of the big learnings out of our diabetes research we did back in 11, 12, and 13 was that about 60% of the, the, the um, folks that were in that study with us you know, were suffering from depression from not knowing where their next meal would come from. Mm. And we could make that go away. Yeah. So if you can do that, then all of a sudden you've got an ability to cope with a lot of other issues and challenges in your life. Yeah, that's amazing because now you're moving from not just like uh, men, like from the physical health to mental health, and how do you actually avoid those things by having those opportunities for them at the right time? This is fascinating, man. So uh, let me ask you this: uh, from a standpoint of, I know several of our listeners might have visited the Grove City area and been a volunteer there. Uh, that's one way to actually like help help the community. But do you think uh, our listeners can do uh, other things to actually help the mission of the food bank here? Absolutely. I mean, we have a lot of partners and they all need volunteer help. So you can volunteer right in your community. We love having you all come to Grove City or we'll have one, you back out at our farm on the west side on the hilltop, you know, to help do all the planting and weeding and pick harvesting of product. That would be a big help. Um, but each community has their own organizations that are helping and they're always looking for people to help. So that's one level if you want to physically get involved. But what I'm really going to challenge your listeners, we, we've got to start a different conversation in this community. We've got to start one about what does it look like if we were a totally connected community? What does it look like for a community to be a prosperous community? And how does everybody participate in that? So if we can get off the polarization conversations and start new dialogue about, you know, we call that shifting the narrative to drive social change. You know, and we really want people engaged in those conversations. So when the Columbus Foundation has the big table conversations, and some of that is a way for people to connect, and also at the same time to really listen to other people. If you listen with intent to really understand somebody as opposed to trying to force your viewpoint on them, which is apparently what we do real well right now. We yell and shout and talk over. You know, that's an opportunity that we think is really going to be, you know, pay huge dividends down the road. If we can ask, you know, have aspirations towards a prosperous community, what would that look like? And how would each community define that and come together to support each other instead of challenging each other or looking down or judging each other? So to me, that's a big piece of this that, you know, is, is a whole new way of thinking that we would really like to encourage people to engage in. 
Yeah, that's a great insight, Matt. I mean, the, the, the fact of not just like volunteering, but being a, a, a connected member of the community where you're serving it, you're actually helping the society on a daily basis, not just like doing it as like a once a month kind of thing that brings everybody together. That's a very nice message to our listeners. Matt, I really want to thank you so much for spending some time with us. I mean, we learned a lot about the mission of the food bank and how it's actually innovating. In my view, I think you are a dynamic organization where you're constantly experimenting and innovating. And I'm really fortunate to be a part of a a, a program that actually does some work with you all. I'm really thankful for that too. Thanks again, Matt, for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of There's a Better Way. To listen to our other episodes and for more information on the Master of Business and Operational Excellence, please visit go.osu.edu backslash M-B-O-E.